This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Welcome to our Behind the Markets podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Schwartz. Alongside Warren Friends Professor Jeremy Siegel, we tackle the latest market trends every week on Business Radio, powered by the Warren School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. Welcome to Behind the Markets here on Business Radio, powered by the Warren School. I'm your host, Jeremy Schwartz, Global CIO at WisdomTree. My co-host is Warren Finance Professor and Senior Economist Wisdom Tree, Jeremy Siegel. We have a very interesting conversation today with a guest talking about Argentina, what's happening there. Uh, but I should note, I'm a rich representative of Foresight Fund Services. Discussion is not tied to the offer of investment products. Professor, uh, you've been describing this economy as Goldilocks. We've had some more data, GDP data, inflation. We still seeing Goldilocks. Yeah. Uh, Goldilocks has not uh, given up here. Uh, uh, the the data is going on as I had described it. The data is is really strong. Without being too strong, honestly, I was a little relieved that we had jobless claims jump uh, to three twenty. I mean, to two twenty after you know going below that level because I was worried that the job market might really be getting too tight. Um, I'm glad there's a little bit of relaxation there. Uh, certainly, we don't want to go up too much. I think up 200 to 240 is a good range for for it, uh, and we'll watch it. But all the other real indicators are strong. There was certainly everyone talked about fourth quarter GDP. Of, of course, that's October, November, December, um, and it was uh, it, it was strong. A lot of it was inventory buildup, but not all of it um, above expectation. About half the the jump above expectation. So um, there was some real strength. Um, uh, but some of the inventory buildup might uh, weigh on this first quarter, uh, which most uh, you know early estimates are a one and a half to two percent growth. Um, but uh, it's still really uh, very very early. But when you look at all the other real indicators, also a, a bit of a of a surprise on um, uh, the indicator, um, the uh, the the S and P Global PMI flash indicators. Um, of course, in a week or so, we'll be getting the the other indicators actually showed some good strength, finally moving above 50 for the first time in a number of months. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Fed next week. Uh, of course, no raise in rates, but I, I, they will also not be uh, show any sort of um, rush to lower rates because of the strength of the economy. Um uh, it isn't that they're displeased with the inflation. It is coming down. Uh, the CPI uh, uh, you know, core was actually a tenth below expectation, but it hasn't been good enough that they need to rush them. And with the real economy being as strong as it is, uh, there's, uh, there would be very uh, little pressure uh, for them to do it. So I think that basically um, he will, uh, Powell will say data dependent, um, we're not in any rush. Uh, we don't know whether March will be the first date or not. Um, we haven't, you know, discussed that further. We're, the, the, listen, they're grinning from ear to ear. Let's face it. I mean, th- this is a Goldilocks situation for them after messing up for two years following the pandemic uh, for them to finally, you know, get the tightness at the point that looks right uh, in terms of bringing the economy back to normal uh, without uh, without causing uh, inflation. So, it, you know, there'll be a self-satisfied tone. I also think it'll be interesting whether they talk about a lot. Of, there's a lot of buzz about QT, uh, quantitative tightening, uh, whether that will end or be tapered. Uh, remember, the Fed added four trillion dollars of um, of reserves uh, during um, uh, the uh, pandemic and stimulus. It's taken away about one trillion of that. So I, I, you know, my feeling is they don't need to taper that. I don't see any tightness in reserves, um, but I'm sure they're going to get questions about that because that has circulated on Wall Street a lot about whether that might happen. I don't see any rush. Uh, he may acknowledge that we're d- tightening it, but we don't see any signs, and uh, we have no plans at tapering the quantitative tightening, uh, which is proceeding at about a hundred billion dollars. Uh, 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 per month uh, at this rate. As far as earnings are concerned, um, okay, uh, we have 70% beat rate, I think, at this point. Um, 
some notable, you know, beats and then uh, some notable misses. And of course, I think the most notable miss and of, of great significance was what's going on with Tesla. I mean, here was, a, you know, maybe the first of the Magnificent Seven to be demoted, uh, as some have advocated, from the Magnificent Seven. Or maybe you want to put NVIDIA in on that uh, uh, instead. But um, um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if, whether it's in that group right now. But, um, I think it is. Uh, I, I think what Iguan Musk said... Uh, that uh, BYD in China is producing really good cars. And he, he he didn't, you know, say, oh, they're just getting subsidies. That's why they're producing so cheap. He didn't say that. He basically said if there aren't tariffs, now we have tariffs in the United States, but Europe and the rest of the world does not have differential tariffs, implying that he would find very stiff competition and uh, even implying he might not make it, uh, might not meet it. Um so that was a, a little bit of a threat. It shows what can happen to any firm that relies on huge growth to keep its multiple high. And um, I think it's a warning sign to anybody that, you know, only goes into the Magnificent Seven. Uh, any of those could break. Now, it's, you know, Tesla's always been a special situation, but um, certainly, um, uh, you know, we have not seen a fall like that for quite a while in terms of uh, one of the big cap stocks um, in the index. We're going to talk a bit of politics in Latin America this week, but, you know, the politics in the U.S. is also a hot topic. You had some of these primaries. I, I've heard some of your comments on how you see the race shaping up this year very early, you know, in the season. But give us your big picture view of the race, what it means for the markets as you see it today. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I mean, it really looks like a Biden, you know, versus Trump which I think is just about a dead heat right now. Um, I sometimes think that who, 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 the person who makes the least flubs between now and November is going to be the winner. Um, uh, the, the least missteps uh, between them. Um, I also very honestly don't see one versus the other as being better or worse for the stock market. There's pluses and minuses for for each. Um, uh, so it's not like, again, we're having a socialist run that, 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 that basically, you know, could really, uh, mess up the, the capital markets, um, uh, um, one way or the other. So in, in that sense, I think it's more important to know whether really, whether the house will stay, uh, a Republican, they hold a very my, um, low margin. I think that might turn democratic. And uh, the Senate probably will return Republican. Um, and the, the important thing, if Trump does win, he gets to choose the judges um, and gets to choose certain other you know, members that have to be approved by the Senate. But uh, he won't get any of the tax. Uh, if the Democrats take the House, they control the fiscal purse and the tax law. We've, we've already come, po pointed out that 2025 is when the Trump tax cuts all expire. So you know, it, uh, the, 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 you know, that, that will have to take place by the end of 2025 and what kind of tax laws we're going to have on capital, capital gains, uh, capital income, and all that is really going to be res uh, reshaped um, uh, after the presidential race. Well, I teased out we're going to be talking about Argentina. I know you visited Argentina and they've got a new libertarian president, um, Javier Malay. Yes. Maybe share some of your experience visiting Argentina, what you think about what you're seeing from the new president. Well, it's, it's, it's encouraging because oftentimes, you know, when people are really unhappy with their current leaders, they turn to the left rather than to the right uh, or turn to anti-free market. I mean, look what happened in Chile. Um, although Bostic has been rebuffed somewhat, uh, but you know, this is, uh, it's, it's really good to someone who believes in free markets. Now, whether we can pull it off or not, I don't know. I, I mentioned that I, I was there in the old peg period of time, which I think was the late 1990s, just before, uh, they had to break the peg, which really means you have to get fiscal policy under control. You've got to control the deficits. If you know, you, the monetary peg doesn't mean anything if you keep on pushing the deficits, uh, up. Uh, eventually it'll break and you're going to go back to the old system. But it's refreshing that, uh, you know, that maybe the, the parent is told 
uh, the socialist hold or uh, the trend in Latin America, which was not good politically. Uh, this is a really refreshing uh, result. Uh, uh, I think uh, to bring back um, free markets, which uh, for those countries like Chile who had pursued it, had done extraordinarily, uh, extraordinarily well. well. Professor, thanks for some comments to kick us off. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you very much. Well, I'm going to turn our conversation over to my guest for the hour, Juan Salerno, who's the chief investment officer for Argentina at the Compass Group. We, we actually have a good relationship with the Compass Group. They represent us down in Latin America. I've been traveling with their team for probably a decade down across the region. And uh, as I wanted to hear what's happening, I, I've been watching this Argentina story and trained under the professor, a very libertarian, Milton Freeman type uh, training. Juan, it's great to have you on our program. Welcome to Behind the Markets. Jeremy, it's a pleasure for me to be, to be in, this, in this call. Uh, so yes, uh, we are pretty excited of this new experience in, in the country, as Professor Siegel has mentioned. It is new for us because we have been, uh, after maybe 20 years of uh, Kirchnerism, Peronism, or more moderate or socialist uh, governments, so, yes, there is a lot of expectation. You know that the inheritance and the, the, the hard work that this administration have to tackle is, is huge. Uh, we are coming from a fiscal deficit of above 5% of the GDP. We are running off inflation rates about uh, 200% yearly basis. Uh, and now there is a lot of inflation in the pipeline. So we will have to look how the society can uh, still support these uh, changes. Uh, I think that something that was very amazing is that uh, different uh, classes of the Argentinian society vote for Millet in these elections, uh, but he still do not have the representativeness in Congress in order to uh, tackle all, all of the obstacles and to introduce all of the reforms in the, in the, in the short term, right? So it's going to be a, a marathon, uh, as I said, for, for, for this administration. But I think that the, the first measures are in the, in the right uh, direction. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm just getting sourced all of his videos on Twitter based on what I engage with, but I get fed a lot of Melee videos uh, all over social media. And he, he definitely has a style that is very bombastic, very in your face. Uh, he was just at Davos, you know, and there's an AI translation of his speech in Davos, and he's going after that traditional Davos crowd saying, you're doing a lot of the exactly wrong things. If you haven't checked out that video, uh, it's, a, it's definitely an interesting video. But when, when you look at his issues, you know, you mentioned it was been a, it was a voters across the aisle. How much time is, do you think the, the people of Argentina will give him to have his policies? Because it is a new policies. He's making a lot of changes. Uh, do you think the people of Argentina will give him enough time? Well, I think he do not have enough time. I think that the, these measures and reforms and, and adjustments, he has to do very quickly. And he's doing that, right? Because you know that uh, he's trying to pass a new law in, in Congress. And this new law includes, obviously, a fiscal package. Uh, some of the fiscal measures have to be approved and go through the Congress, and, uh, and others not, right? So he's doing the, the hard uh, work in adjusting the, the expenses, but also uh, in the short term, he's going to increase taxes. So we are going to have a recession in Argentina for the first and the, uh, the biggest part of this year in 2024. Uh, and then the expectation is to grow again in 2025, right? So I think that the coming months till April, we will have to face this uh, dessert because you know that in April all the harvest will take place in Argentina and then we will have uh, an offer in dollars and the FX market is very relevant for, for Argentine stability, right? So I think that the, the coming months till April will be uh, crucial. Uh, we are facing inflation of 20% uh, monthly, so uh, uh, it is eroding, uh, obviously, the, the, the real wages of the, of the society. What we have seen is that uh, when Millet uh, gets to the, to the government, has a, a lot of approval, about 60% of approval. And in the last mission, maybe for January, the, there was a descent of about five points on that. And uh, we estimate that uh, this uh, eroding image will keep going till, till April. And then we'll have to see the green shots because obviously in the second part of the year, 
uh, I think that the, 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 the macroeconomic uh, policy will have to stabilize and, and then try to see some, some reaches on, on the economy. Uh, and uh, this is going to be key uh, uh, because uh, you cannot lose support uh, coming from the society for 2025, right? Because, uh, you know, the natural dinners, <laughs> uh, one, two, three months is the short term that you have to look about. Talk about the the strengths of the economy. So the, you, you mentioned the harvest is a key issue. What is when when they're exporting around the world? What are their key exports? What are they focused on? Um, what do you think are the opportunities as they they look for this this new regime? Yeah, I would say there are two main uh, sectors that will uh, obviously be. Uh, very relevant in the coming years, uh, as you mentioned, the agricultural sector. Remember that we are coming from a very uh, uh, strong uh, growth in uh, 2023. Uh, there was about $20 billion uh, uh, losses in terms of exports for, for Argentina. Uh, and now we are recovering that and uh, obviously explained uh, by, by quantities. Uh, if you look at uh, soybean prices and other, and other grain prices, they are not looking so good, but we are going to have a very strong uh, harvest in terms of, of quantities. And I think that the other sector that uh, Argentina has been uh, doing in the other way for the last 20 years was the oil and gas sector. Uh, Argentina has the, the second shale gas reserve behind the U.S. Uh, in the mm -hmm. world, uh, in Baca Muerta, in the southern part of the country. Uh, and uh, we have several investments in the last years that are, that are doing a, a good job there and are increasing the, the productivity and the production uh, of oil and, and of shale gas. Uh, so I, I think that in our projections will be a, a oil and a gas exporter in the coming years. We are now in an equilibrium in, in our balance uh, uh, after uh, several years of, of being net importer of, of, of fuels in Argentina. So I think that these are the two main main sectors uh, and obviously argentina is a, is a is a large country if you compare it's a c20 country right of a gdp of about 550 billion dollars uh, so used to be one of the richest country in, in latin america and in the world right if you go to the end of the 19th century so i think that there are uh, huge opportunities but it will depend as we mentioned in the beginning right the, the, the capability of this administration, that is a new administration, Millet is an outsider, right? He has no political party. He's very new in the political uh, framework uh, and has to uh, demonstrate not only in the, in the media and in, the, in, the, in Twitter or in X, but also in the, in the Congress, right? How he can achieve agreements with the other political parties, how he can uh, keep convincing the society to make the changes. So it's going to be a, a huge uh, challenge for, for, for all of us. Yeah, he, he's trying to show on, on Twitter he's taking the, 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 the common man's plane instead of the, the Socialist Party. He's taking the private jets. You know, he's, uh, he's appealing yeah. to the sensitivities. <laughs> but what, yeah. what, let's go on the, the, the energy and the shale and gas for a moment, because you know, that sounds like familiar to the U.S., where we were big importers of energy, big importers of all this, then we had shale and gas that really changed our dynamic. And, and interestingly, our currency became much stronger when we started buying less oil and started exporting, that maybe that is one of the things that helps the Argentinian currency, which, which you, we've talked about, has been under pressure. What, you know, it's an interesting political dynamic here in the U.S. too, where we're, even just this week, they're talking about we're going to build less LNG export terminals. And what, what do you see as the dynamics... For Argentina, you know, there's been some stories about their big, uh, one of the big companies, YPF, which has been the state-run or state-owned company, and and he talks about privatizing and trying to raise capital by selling off these state-owned companies. What do you think is the story on on both of those those fronts? Yeah, there are maybe some explanations to that because you know that uh, obviously you have to do a, a fiscal adjustment and you need money because we have been running of a uh, net reserve in the central bank, right? We have uh, at the end of 2023 uh, about negative $12 billion of net reserves. So if you need capital, you also have to, you know, cut expenses, increase taxes, and also try to sell some public companies and the biggest public company for Argentina is YPF, right? But uh, what I can say about it is that I think it's not a need to sell YPF in order to achieve targets of production and you you have a company that is well managed even in the last administrations that were not 
maybe pro-market administrations. Uh, the, the company has been doing very well. It has a very efficient uh, in the in the shale and, and oil and gas area in Bacamuerta uh, and has been increasing the production and also has been placing a bond in international markets. That is something new for, for Argentina for the last years. Uh, because if you look at the, for example, sovereign bonds are trading about 30% yield or 40% parity, and YPF is issuing debt at 9%. That is a, a very good number for, for, for an Argentinian company, right? So I think that if you can put a, a, a legal stabilized framework and the YPF is a company that, that is well managed, uh, I think there is no need to privatize the, the, this company. And also, uh, if, you, if you have seen in the news, uh, in the last uh, omnibus law that was sent to the Congress, it was included, the privatization of YPF, by, by request of the opposition, it was uh, uh, left aside. Right, so uh, I think that the, the privatization of YPF is not going to to take place right now, but I think that the opportunities are there, and I think the, if you have a, a pretty good legal framework, uh, the the company is going to be uh, very well in the in the coming years. I think that they they could double the EBITDA in the coming uh, three four years. No question on that. Yeah. A bunch of interesting points there. You know, we've often said when, you know, there's companies in emerging markets that can issue debt in dollars, they're often higher quality than the sovereigns in some of those countries that are issuing debt, you know, in dollars. And, and, yeah. you, and, because you, you get some of these oil companies and the, the revenue may be in dollars. And so that, that helps that. Is, when you talked about the 30 to 40% yields, are, are they issuing that debt in local currency? Are they issuing that debt in dollars? What's, what's been the debt situation of, yeah. of the country? I was referring to, to the sovereign debt that is issuing in dollars. Remember that Argentina has a, a serial history of defaults on the sovereign debt. Uh, so that is why we are, uh, our bonds are trading at about uh, 40 cents of a dollar, right? So uh, right now, where I see the opportunity in, in, in our market is probably in the sovereign debt because uh, corporate bonds are trading very similar as other Latin countries. Remember that Argentina is a triple C country, right? Uh, we are not even close to Brazil. <laughs> or, or Colombia, right? And, and, and it's still a big economy. And I think that when you normalize the, the macro framework, I think that uh, obviously these yields, spreads, and parities that we are seeing in the sovereign bonds, uh, we are not going to find it again. But you know that Argentina is obviously this kind of uh, story that uh, when things you think that they're going to be uh, well, they finish uh, going in the other way, right? For example, during macro administration, administration uh, we saw that the sovereign bonds were trading at 7%, and then we ended in another restructuring of the debt, right? So uh, things are no linear in, in Argentina, but I think that is a big opportunity. Right now, I think on the corporate sector, maybe the, the spreads are, are stretched, but I think uh, very good opportunities on the sovereign debt. Yeah. Interesting. So when, when, and I was going to ask you about as, as CIO at Compass, you are look, overlooking what is your client base like in Argentina? I was going to ask what type of asset location you, you work with people on, what, how you how you see it, investors in, in Argentina investing their capital? What are they, what are they doing? What are you suggesting they do? Yeah, you, you know that in Argentina we have uh, capital controls and effects restrictions, right? So uh, companies, for example, in, in Argentina cannot freely uh, pay dividends or, or pay imports. Uh, so you know that it's, it's, it's pretty strange because we have more about $50 billion uh, in imports that companies from Argentina cannot pay from uh, suppliers of uh, abroad, right? Uh, and these uh, stocks of debt are being uh, normalized, and there was a, 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 a several measures that uh, this government is taking in trying to lower these this, this, this stocks. But uh, regarding regarding to, to investment and and to uh, and what we are doing in Argentina, obviously we, we manage mutual funds. Uh, we we our base clients is mostly institutional investors. We have different channels of distribution our mutual funds. Uh, but if you look at how Argentinians are, are, uh, have their savings, uh, they are mostly abroad in, in dollars, and uh, they, they, they invest a little bit in, in Argentina, right? Uh, uh, there are an estimate of about uh, $340 billion of savings of Argentinians abroad. Uh, 
Uh, and uh, this is something that uh, this administration also has a uh, has has an initiative in order to uh, trying to to launch a, an amnesty law in order to uh, uh, you know uh, attract these savings uh, to be invested in Argentina again. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of that, and you need before a normalization of the country. But I think there is a uh, you 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 have a lot of dollars of Argentinians abroad that they are not uh, being invested in the country. Yeah. Right. You know, this comes back to people keep questioning the death of the dollar, you know, is 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 something else going to replace the dollar as reserve currency. But when you have 200 percent inflation, yeah. like, what am I going to do? I, my if my dollars aren't going to go that far here in, in Argentina. I need to get and, and they, so they go to get U.S. dollars um, in terms of now. He, he The other big topic of late in the U.S. has been the approval of all these Bitcoin ETFs. You have like 10 or 11 firms, including my own firm, launching a Bitcoin product. But you have uh, Millet's been known as a a supporter of Bitcoin. What's been happening in Argentina through, with respect to Bitcoin? Are you able to transact using Bitcoin? What's yeah. your views on, on on all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I think that in Argentina, you know that it's a very particular situation. But uh, when 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 the countries has a very weak currency, you know that they look for other. Uh, uh, currencies or, 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 or investments, and, and I see that uh, Bitcoin and, and all the, 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 the cryptocurrencies in Argentina have a huge impact in the last, I would say, 10 to 12 years. Uh, and also there are a lot of uh, platforms, and you can buy Bitcoins uh, through your phone, and you can pay that Bitcoins uh, with pesos, uh, with Argentine pesos, right? Because you have an implicit FX rate in order to buy Bitcoins and to invest in cryptocurrencies. Right, so it's a very developed, I think, market in, in Argentina. You have also local players that can, they can offer the, the platform in order to do that transactions, uh, and, and and obviously when you have this, uh, uh, you know, structural situation with the local currency uh, is uh, a very good place in order to develop this kind of uh, alternative investment, right? So uh, I think that uh, every Argentinian, if you look. For example, uh, uh, people that have very low wages, uh, they save in cryptocurrencies. They use cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. So I think this is very well spread among all, the whole society. There's yeah. a lot of people say it go, it's the people in the U.S. say it's just this speculative trading vehicle. It's got no value, and and but they you know they don't. They're spoiled in the U.S. The dollar has been a relatively stable currency, yeah. and so I think Argentina is actually a, a fairly interesting place of where it is. You saw uh, El Salvador adopt it. It'll be interesting to see if if other markets start to start to adopt it more. And so, are you seeing people actually? When you mention people with low wages, are they actually? easily paying for things it's sort of well accepted across you go to dinner and and you could use bitcoin to pay no 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 for for that kind of transactions only for savings uh, but uh, and, and and it's very curiously because if you go to dinner to to buenos aires you have to you know uh, have a, a huge pocket because the pesos will be a lot of bills in your pockets in order to pay the dinner, right? So uh, particularly all these transactions are being electronically uh, right now. So you you, you don't have to, to carry on the, the huge amount of pesos in order to pay dinner, right? Because right. you have very uh, small denominations on the bills also. Uh, but but no, you, you cannot use the, the cryptocurrencies in order to make some kind of transactions, yes. But I think there is uh, a limitation uh, right now. And, and the other issue here, uh, Jeremy, is uh, you, you remember that Millet was talking about the dollarization plan for, for Argentina. Uh, and, and this is something that was maybe out of the table right now. But uh, if this stabilization program for the macroeconomy uh, do not uh, go well, uh, maybe the, the plan B will be the dollarization of the economy. Uh, I, I hear Professor Siegel when he was in Buenos Aires and he mentioned that he was at the end of the convertibility law and the end of the 90s. And Argentina during the United has a, a, a peg to the dollar, right? So I cannot discard that this, you know, plan will be uh, taking place in the future. I am not seeing right now, uh, because if you normalize the economy, you 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 put a lot of, you know, uh, you adjust the relative prices and the fiscal uh, deficit, maybe it's no need to dollarize the economy. 
but I think this is a, a plan B if the, the plan fails. Well, and, and, and before Belay came in, there was the, the stated exchange rate, and then there was these, what is the actual exchange rate? And like, if you, you know, there's like what yeah. you could get actually, and then there was an unofficial where you would go to yeah. try to trade in. There was a devaluation of the currency, from my understanding, and in the, in the very early days. Talk about, do you think they're going to need to do that again? And where, give some of the dynamics of how that convertibility yeah. worked, that, that sort of unofficial market, and where is there an unofficial market today that's dramatically different than the traditional market? Yeah, l- let me tell you how I imagine the, the sequence of the macroeconomic stabilization plan, right? Because uh, on, on the first month, you have to, you know, there are a lot of repressed inflation uh, because uh, past administrations uh, have the, a, a capital control framework, right? So you are not paying the, the, the gasoline, the, the price that it costs. You are not paying the uh, electricity bill, the, the cost of the, of the electricity. You are not paying the gas, uh, you know. And now you have to liberalize all of these relative prices, including the effects rate. Right, and that is what Millet is doing in the in the first month of, of this administration. Uh, you have a, a, a devaluation of the currency at the at the at the middle of December last year. It was a huge devaluation, uh, and uh, at the beginning there was a, a very small gap between the official FX rate that is trading about 800 pesos per dollar and the blue chip swap or the parallel rate that is trading about 1,200 pesos per dollar. Right. So uh, uh, and this gap, I think it will continue uh, for the for the coming months because you are still with effects restrictions and capital controls. Remember that I told you about the, the stocks in dollars for the importers and the stock in pesos uh, of the corporates that they cannot pay dividends or they cannot pay imports. So you have to do it gradually. There is no way to do it uh, on a very rapidly or faster because you may end on a hyperinflation process, right? And that's not the scenario that uh, it, is, it would be the worst case scenario. So I think that the, the dynamics will be maybe to increase the crawling peg on the official FX rate because, uh, you know, we have 20% monthly inflation basis. So the advantages of the real exchange rate that you earn in December, they are being, uh, you, you are going to lose that in the coming months. Right, so we are going to end in April with a appreciated FX real rate. Right, so you need maybe another devaluation uh, that could be a, a moderate devaluation, maybe increase the two percent crawling peg that the FX currency is is crawling right now to maybe ten or twelve, and then you have maybe a small additional devaluation in order to stabilize relative prices. But first of all, you need to you know, uh, uh, free the DFX controls, you know, free the relative prices. So, yes, I'm looking for a, a, another devaluation. Uh, but then you have to put a, a very strong anchor. Uh, we have the fiscal anchor right now, but I think that you need another monetary and FX anchor for the future. Right. And then after that, you have to implement this stabilization plan in order to uh, economic grow again. Right. And this is the sequence that I, I imagine. In the news recently has been Argentina's work with the IMF. Can you, for people not familiar with the situation, tell us about the debt profile, the work with the IMF, and, and what's going on going on there? Yeah, yeah. You know, Jeremy, that Argentina is a, a huge debtor of the IMF. Uh, I mean, I think that explains uh, uh, close to 40% of the uh, balance sheet. Uh, so there was a huge uh, uh, disturbance for Argentina in uh, 2019 in the last part of Macri's administration. So, uh, and Argentina has been drag- struggling with, with that in the, in the past years uh, and has been maybe failing uh, to, to accomplish the targets that were placed by the IMF. So uh, the IMF has another revision for Argentina in the last month. And there was a very constructive uh, uh, dialogue and talks with the actual administration, Millet's administration. And you know that Millet has a very uh, tougher approach in terms of how to adjust the fiscal deficit, how to cut the, 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 the support or the money printing coming from the central bank in order to help the treasury. So I think that uh, there was a very constructive talk and there was an approval coming from the staff 
uh, of a disbursement of about $4.7 billion. You know that Argentina received this disbursement and then uh, make the payments after that. So uh, they are rollover roll over in their debt, right, for, 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 for this year. So I think that with this uh, uh, pending approval from the board of the IMF, but I think that it will, it will go on, uh, Argentina will not have to make any, any additional payments to the IMF during 2024. Uh, and then if you look at the other uh, private uh, debt, uh, for example, the sovereign debt for 2024, there are not... Uh, very huge payments that Argentina uh, has to make for for this year. So I think here the the, the maybe the, the view is that if the normalization process uh, go well uh, for this year, maybe in 2025, 2026, Argentina has can do maybe some liability management uh, on their sovereign debt. Uh, and uh, if you look at the debt of Argentina, you know there is a lot of debt that is in hands of public entities, right? Argentina is not a, 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 a country that is uh, uh, with a huge of debt. If you compare, for example, the, the private debt of Argentina uh, against the GDP, it's almost about 70%. Uh, and you have other countries that are very well above the 100% debt uh, against the like GDP. The US. So I think that the, <laughs> yeah, for example, yeah, yeah. But you know that uh, for Argentina, it's very difficult to roll over the debt because we obviously fail in this fiscal uh, chronic deficit that we have been living in the last 70 years. Uh, maybe maybe it's a good, a good number, but for the last 67 years, Argentina was in deficit of about more than 50 years, right? So uh, to, to have this uh, fiscal equilibrium for 2024, uh, and also in terms of the trade, because we are recovering the uh, from the draw for 2023, maybe we can have these two uh, commercial trade and a fiscal equilibrium for for and would be very great news and then we'll make the, the the room in order to do some liability management or or maybe trying to to issue debt in the international markets again uh, in the coming years when just for the sense of the fiscal spending where are the big expenditures coming from obviously they've yeah. got debt they got to pay the interest he's talked about I talked about the impact with Twitter. Twitter cuts 75% of their workforce. They have all this debt. You know, they're trying to become more productive. He's talking about getting rid of all these different agencies. Where is the spending? Where can he get the most reduction in spending? What's he trying to do? Yeah. Yeah. Something is what Millais was saying in campaign, and then what the reality can yes. be affordable yes, for him. So you know that in Argentina, there are several levels of uh, fiscal deficit because we have the national level that explains about 20% of the of the of the uh, total expenses against the GDP and then you have the provinces and i think and the municipalities right so uh, Millet's administration can only uh, be uh, you know uh, uh, making cuts on the 20% uh, total expenses against the GDP because it is the national level then you have to make some agreements with the provinces and the municipalities, and you have also uh, another political parties in the provinces, uh, some of them that may support Millet, and some of them that they would look for, for their own, right? So uh, you cannot go through the 15% cutting expenses that Millet was saying in the in campaign, right? So uh, the, 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 in the short term, what can he, he do? Well, he can cut about two, three points of deficit because, uh, you know, he's... Uh, putting a, 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 he's freezing the, the public works in, uh, you know, he's cutting the transfers to provinces, uh, and also he's trying to, you know, redesign the, the, the public uh, sector, uh, but also he's increasing taxes, right? And in order to increase taxes, you have to go to Congress. So in my best, uh, in my base case scenario, I would say that maybe you cannot go to 0% fiscal equilibrium this year. But maybe if you achieve a zero percent equilibrium on the primary deficit, you have maybe two percent deficit on the fiscal as a total. I think this is good news, right? Yeah. Uh, but in yeah, but in order to do that, you you need the agreement uh, with the other uh, legislators and, and the provinces, right? And what this is what has been discussed in the past weeks. And now the the law will go to Congress uh, in the coming month, coming Tuesday. So I think that we will have news on on that.
But I think that the, the, the fiscal adjustment that Millet can do is very smaller if you compare of what he was saying on, on campaign. Well, let's talk about what investors should do about it. I got excited about seeing this uh, trained under Siegel's libertarian mindset. So maybe this is a, a good opportunity. Now, Argentina stocks have been a little bit on fire. They've done well post, uh, post-election. They did very, very well on the news. What, what's your sense? You manage mutual funds that are trying to buy these stocks. How do you think about the markets? How do you think about the opportunities that, that you look to capitalize on? Yeah, yeah, Jeremy. We talk about a little bit on corporate bonds and 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 sovereign debt. Uh, for example, for the last uh, four years, uh, the, the 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 returns on the corporate bond universe in for Argentina and users it was above eight percent, including 2022. That was an awful year for for the whole market, right? Uh, and if you consider the equity market in Argentina, and I am measuring this in 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 dollar terms at the blue chip swap. Uh, we talk about that uh, before also. Uh, for 2022, the, the, the returns were above 44%. Uh, for 2023, the returns were 62% in dollar terms. Yes, we are, you know, coming from a, a, a big uh, drawback in, 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 the, in the indices, in the local uh, equity markets. Uh, and we are now pricing, you know, much better than we have been pricing uh, in the in the two years before because the market was expecting that it's going to be a change in terms of the the, the, the administration, right? A, a good change on on the administration. So now we are facing that valuations maybe are not so cheap as we have seen in the in the last past years, but you know that in a macroeconomic normalization process where you can uh, you know uh, discount. The cash flows of the companies at a better uh, rate. You know that the sovereign rates are about 30%. So you are you are uh, punishing a lot when you discount cash flow from companies in Argentina. I think there's still an upside on the equity markets of more than 50%. Uh, it is it's obviously that we still have a, a an upside and also a re-rating of the multiples. Right of valuation of the companies. Uh, and in terms of sectors, maybe there was a uh, some uh, question marks on the financial sector. The financial sector in Argentina was maybe the sector that can be outperforming the other ones in the, these changes in terms of politics and, 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 and governments. But maybe uh, now we have to uh, deal with the stocks of public debt that banks have in their balance sheets. Now, you know that for the last four years, banks were not lending to the private sector, they were lending to the, to the government, right? So we have to figure out how things will uh, develop for the for the financial sectors. But obviously, yes, you have to 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 if you would would like to bet on Argentinian equities, you have to be invested in banks, but also on the energy sector. Uh, we talk about a little bit on YPF. I think that there are other companies like Vista that are investing in Baca Muerta, uh, shale and oil areas, and I think that they have a a very good uh, uh, you know. Uh, upside in the in the coming year as the whole sector is changing and will you know probably have more much more investment on that. Uh, so I think that if we I would like to choose some sectors, I would say that the oil and gas sector, the energy sector, and and obviously some banks. Are, is there when I look at some of the there's not that many options for U.S. investors to go overseas. You know, yeah. MSCI had downgraded Argentina, so it's not in the broad. Emerging Markets Index, they sort of made it a standalone index from what I understand, yeah. if, if I'm right yeah. there. Um, and so it's fascinating. I'm looking at it personally um, and, and, and for Wisdom Tree. But the, the sense of, you know, th- there's also um, a, one of the big tech companies, maybe not as a purely Argentina company, Mercado Libre is getting, gets, yeah. gets classified there. What, what's your sense of, is there any other tech opportunities? Is that truly... Uh, one of the big companies that operates for Argentina, some of the ETFs have that as a as a major weight. Yeah, you know that, uh, for example, Mercado Libre, as you mentioned, and maybe Globant, uh, and Adecoagro, and other companies, that are, uh, their origins are in Argentina, but now they are more LATAM companies, right? So if you'd like to bet on Argentina, maybe that's not the case. That's a, Those are companies that I loved because... You know that I think that the Mercado Libre has obviously an exposure in Argentina and explains uh, a part of the ABDA, but obviously they are more like companies than Argentina pure place, 
right? right. Uh, so I think that if we are trying to uh, get the, 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 the optionality on Argentina, I would prefer more domestic companies. Uh, and maybe they are not represented on the MSCI because, as you mentioned, Argentina is a standalone uh, uh, country. Uh, so you got to go through the ADRs directly, right? And, uh, for example, YBF, the banks, uh, these companies have ADR leases in the New York Stock Exchange. So I think that is the way to, to do that. Uh, and, and maybe, yeah, you know that the, the, the multiples and the, the, the valuation of the Latin companies differs a lot when you compare with the pure domestic place. So I think that the value, if these things uh, go, go on, the, on, the, on the right side, I think that is the, the place to be. When you look at the, the current dynamics, um, if you had to guess, looking ahead, do you see, do you think that he'll spread his success will impact the rest of Latin America? How do you think his election will end up impacting other countries? Who will be the next Millet? Can we bring him to the U.S.? Yeah. <laughs> but who's going to be the next Millet? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know that in, in Latin America, we have maybe other experiences. For example, in Brazil with Bolsonaro, there was a, they are not the same. I'm not saying that, but we, we have some kind of experiences that were, you know, the the, the pendulum went from left to right and then came back again. Uh, uh, but I think that, yes, uh, probably if, if, if Millet succeed uh, uh, and, and, and Argentina succeed in, with this administration, we will have maybe a second term of, of Millet. Uh, remember that Argentina, the, the, the terms are for four years only. Uh, that is why he's had to do everything fast. Right, but if things goes uh, on the on the right way, I think that obviously it would be a, a very strong uh, message uh, for Brazil, for for Chile. Uh, uh, maybe there are other small countries that uh, have a, a different approach, uh, but I think that uh, maybe Mexico and Brazil, that are the biggest economy is in in Latin America, it will have obviously a, a an impact. Uh, considering that Argentina is out of the map right now out of the trade flows. Uh, it is very curious, but uh, Millet, when he was on campaign, he said that he will not trade with China, for example, <laughs> and he will, he will leave the space to the private sector. Uh, but you know that China is our uh, one of our main par trade partners because all of our soybeans and grains, are uh, we, we sell that to, to China. So uh, I think that uh, it will then that he lowered the tone a lot uh, when he was elected. Uh, so I think that he did some of the things that we have to 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 look uh, with uh, with a lot of you know uh, to to be to look after because some what you you can hear coming from Millais and then you have to uh, go to the facts. And the fact is that he's been pragmatic. He's a pragmatic guy, uh, and th and I think this is good. Because you you need a pragmatic guy now for for this administration for this moment in Argentina, but yes, I I think that the, if if he succeeds, it would be a, a great example for the region, uh, and obviously he's on the spotlight because you know that uh, in Europe and in US uh, there are uh, this connection, for example, with Trump for, and with the Republican Party, and this connection, for example, with Meloni in Italy uh, and other leaders in in Europe. So and he's a very charismatic and. And, and and he's everywhere because you can see on X uh, every day. So I think that, yes, it will have an impact. He, yeah, Tr Trump has said he's MAGA. Make Argentina great again. Yeah. Um, I don't know yeah. if that's helpful for him or not, but um, it's, he's definitely a character and he's definitely um, – I, I enjoy watching what he's how he's shaking up the politics. If you say people wanted to come visit Argentina, where should people plan their trips? You're in Buenos Aires. What would – you're, you're – I – drawing up an itinerary for people. They want to come check out what's happening on the ground. Where would you tell them they got to come visit? Well, I think it's great to come visit. Uh, uh, you know that the Argentina has a, is, is a huge country in terms of his geography. Uh, so I think that obviously has to be in, in Buenos Aires for, for a week. Uh, but, uh, you know, and you have to travel through the Patagonia and, and the north part of the country. You have mountains, you have snow, you have ocean, you have beaches. So I think that 
if it's a, it's a very nice country. Uh, and also, maybe a question is if it is cheap or not. And, and I would say that if it's not cheaper as it was <laughs> for, for the last years, uh, you know, it's getting expensive because we have been talking about this inflation that is above 20% monthly. So uh, it's getting expensive, still cheap, but it's getting expensive, right? So inflation's going up, but the currency is much cheaper. So there's this this push and pull, right? That that's that some of it is. Uh, yeah. We. You're, you're, any any closing thoughts as you look to the future for the the opportunities for investors to be thinking about Argentine stocks? Any last minute closing thoughts? Yeah, maybe maybe I I, I maybe to to remark some things. Uh, I think there is an opportunity in Argentina. Uh, there is an opportunity for markets and also for for the society. Uh, but you know that it will depend a lot uh, uh, how we can digest and how this administration can keep the support in the coming months. Because I think that the the, the next months will be the, the worst part of this uh, story. Uh, and then to bet uh, for the second half of the year and 2025, because you know that... Uh, there are things that are happening in some sectors. We talk about a little bit on the agricultural and also on the oil and gas sector. And I think there are some kind of, you know, a, a changing a movements that are taking place in Argentina that we have not seen before. Uh, we have not seen before that a liberal is in place of the government in Argentina. We have more federalist party or maybe social democrats in the in, in administration. And this will be an experiment. I don't know if it's going to be the result will be fine or not, but I think there is a, a huge optionality, a huge bet. Uh, and to give you an example, if you take into account the sovereign debt, if you take the sovereign debt, you know that the the upside is, is huge, more than eight percent. I know also on equity markets. Well, excellent. This has been a fantastic conversation with Juan Salerno, the Chief Investment Officer of Compass Group. We have a great partnership with them. Appreciate you coming on the show, Juan. Thank you, Chris, in the studio. I'm Jeremy Schwartz. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Behind the Markets podcast. If you want to learn more about WisdomTree, visit wisdomtree.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jeremy D. Schwartz. I'd like to thank Patty Hall for producing our live program on SiriusXM channel 132 and our podcast producer, Daniel Bruno. Join us next week for another edition of the show. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.